Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Believe it or not, Dave, you invited another special guest. And I don't say, oh, stop using this. It's getting old. I don't really care because I'm still impressed. It's my way of giving you a compliment, which you typically don't receive. Wait, you're saying that people don't compliment me generally? What do you think? (laughs) Wow. So next week will be a solo podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yes, there we have with us Greg Hain from uh, Hain Consulting. I, I met Greg actually through the, um, I'm going to, I always butcher this, the Western States Roofing Contractors Association. And I did some work for him. Greg does a lot of work for them. He is a specialist uh, in in that world uh, and uh you, now you're not a roofing specialist though greg you're you're a leadership business coach correct yeah that's a fair assessment dave yeah, yeah. you know enough to be dangerous about uh, uh i have i have i grew up in the construction industry my dad was a general contractor i opened a branch office to do commercial roofing work i did that successfully became a roof consultant which I retired, I did the last of that last year. So I no longer do commercial roofing uh, uh, consulting. And now all my work is helping contractors get better roofing contractors and mainly commercial roofing contractors get better at running their business. Yeah, and that's awesome. And we're gonna gonna dig a little more into some aspects of that. But first we have the question as, as it's come to be known by Darren. Um, but so, uh, uh, the name of the podcast is Disarming Persuasion. What does that phrase mean to you? <clears throat> well, disarming means unex- maybe unexpected. Um, and persuasion is um, part of the sales process um, as the way I'm thinking about it, at least today. Um, so I would say disarming persuasion is, is about having a, some sort of a conversation with someone where in a very organic, spontaneous, non-salesy kind of way, you, uh, uh, build a relation, you build a constructive relationship with whoever it is you're sitting with to uh, explore whether or not it makes sense to do business together. Great answer. I like it. I don't know if it was or not, but there you go. No, I, I, I think it is. A, it's a great answer. I think that's uh, uh, you know on point with uh, what our thoughts were as we created the podcast, uh, which is also, you know, as Darren and I have known each other for over, well over a decade now, pretty much how we like to operate our, ourselves, right? Which is mm-hmm. create that relationship and then get people at ease so that they can be open to whatever your message might be. Yeah. So, so I, I think spot on. Um, we've had all sorts of interesting answers to that question. 
and some are closer to ours. Not, none of them are wrong, but some are closer to ours than others. And that's right. The, the problem with communication in general is it's, it's not exact. So, Darren, I'm going to toss it to you. Well, speaking of persuasion, Greg, you just shared with me you have three daughters that are now in their 30s. Either you learned a lot about persuasion uh, interacting with the women in your life, or they taught you a lot about persuasion. So I'm kind of curious, any tips or suggestions, what you learned over the years that our listeners would love to hear? Well, I probably can tell you more ways not to do it (laughs) than how to do it. Um, you know, I think that, um, especially with children as they grow and they develop their own identities, they go through different phases. I, you know, I have, uh, contractors I work with and I'll find out they have a, a teenager at home and I say, oh, so your IQ has plummeted over the last five years? And the answer is generally yes. And um, uh, so what I've seen with my daughters is that they go through these cycles. And I had this naive idea that after they got out of the house and went to college, and by the way, at least my wife and I experienced our IQs going back up when they went off to college. Okay. But now that now that they're out on their own for a while, our I our IQs are starting to take a nosedive again. And what I've discovered is I'm typically behind the curve on this. Uh it's like, oh well, this is new. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's interesting because I don't necessarily see that on the on the business side. On the business side, um, even if you're not dealing with mature individuals, you generally have more mature conversations. Interesting. It's funny, when you were talking about your IQ going back up, I I flashed to the uh, uh, um, Bill Cosby quote, who once famously quipped, the older I got, the smarter my father got. Yeah. Um, I was unaware not having children who was unaware that you do get stupider again. No. So, oh, I, well, I was unaware of that also, but that's <laughs> definitely been the case. Okay. Definitely been the case. So it, turning back to the business side, cause I, I am curious. So what lessons learned have you gotten from raising three daughters that you've applied on your business side? Well, first don't assume anything. Hmm. So what's that look like? Well, if we're in a sales situation um, and uh, so uh, let's, let's pretend I'm a roofing contractor and through some sort of a warm lead, I get connected with somebody that says that um, they says to me, Hey, yes, I want you to come out. We need a new roof. Um, what I've learned, and, and this was not just with my daughters, but this is, this is, they don't need a new, they don't always need a new roof. Their perception about what's going on and the reality of what's going on may be completely different. And, um, and so when you walk into a, um, 
a, 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 in a conversation where you hope not to look like every other salesperson on the planet. One of the best ways of doing that is not to start by assuming that you know anything, but to start asking questions. And the mistake that I see happening is that many people have been trained to do that and they do it once. And then they go right back to acting the wrong way. So, you know, sir, how can I help you today? Well, you know, we're, we're interested in a new roof. Well, they ask the one question and then they go down the wrong hole. Like, well, you know, we'll be glad to help you with that. Instead of what makes you think you need a new roof? You're having too many leaks. Is there a tenant demand? Um, did the boss decide he had money to spend and just wanted to help me understand? And that's not normally what happens. And I see that as a roof consultant, because roofers, when, when I had clients that were building owners, some of them would have, you know, 100 shopping centers. Others would have 250 buildings. People want to work for them. They call, they call my owner. My owner says, call Greg. And so then I have to, to uh, interview these people. And um, they are, the, the way I'm approached is surprisingly unoriginal. It is surprisingly not inspiring. And um, it's like they've all read the same sales book, but don't understand nuance. All right. So ask good questions. What's your favorite question? So in what context? Well, <laughs> because it really depends. I mean, are you talking about a sales situation? Since you brought it up in sales, I, I do at some yeah. point because you've run companies. I want to also mirror this conversation on the leadership side. Yeah. But, um, but, but you started off in sales. So let's stay in the sales role. So in the sales, my first question is, uh, how can I help? So what's your favorite question? How can I help? How can I help? Um, just a very broad, general, open-ended question that allows them to answer any way they want to. So let's go. I said, you asked me, you're going to be the client. I'm going to be, um, the, the roof guy. And, um, I'm, I'm going to say, how can I help? I think I need a new roof. Great. Um, perhaps that's something we could help you with. I don't know. What makes you think you need a new roof? Well, I mean, if you look up, you can see all those uh, stains from the last time it rained. Sure. So now at this point, I'm going to get off the phone and get in the office in front of them. Okay. So you're not in front of me at this point. No, 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 no. no I'm, well, we could do it that way, but I wasn't thinking that way. But when I'm sitting in front of you and I look up, I say, okay, sure. But, you know, when, when you're driving, so Dave, when you're driving your car, and you get a flat tire, do you change the tire or do you replace the car? And yeah, I see you've got a wet spot up there, but without going to look at it, I'm pretty clear that it may be that you've got a flat tire or it may be that you've got a bad car or maybe there's something else going on, but I really don't know until I would look at it. Hmm. Okay, good. Darren, what do you got? I thought that was, <clears throat> I thought that was a great answer. I was just trying to figure out if I need a new car now. So is your I, tire flat? I, I, it, I haven't been driving in a few days for some reason, you know, I haven't been out. So 
Well, I mean, what I got was wait till your tire gets flat, then you get a new car. I got it. I got it. But I also have kids, so you never know. So I better check my tire and my car. Make sure it's still present. So appreciate that. Um, I love that question. So based on that, in the sales arena, you're just going to, the goal is to get inside the home to take a look at the roof. Is that, that is the goal to do the, to do the MRI of the, of the home, correct? So, well, my goal is not to get on the roof yet. Okay. And again, I'm, I come from the commercial world, not the residential world. So I'm not interested in being in a home and, and, and the way, and by the way, I am not a sales guy. Right. I, I, I am not, I am not a sales guy, but they're going to say, well, let's go up on the roof. And I'm going to say, not so fast. Got it. Good. Because from a sales standpoint, well, first of all, from a sales standpoint, I want to make sure I don't look like anybody else that comes in. That's right. Okay. Um, but before we go up on the roof, there, there's something I need to share with you. Um, I'm assuming that, you know, you're going to have other roofers out here and you're going to get other prices. Um that's been my experience. There's a high degree of likelihood. I'm not going to be the low bidder. Is that going to be a problem? Right. Great. Now at this point, the fight's on because I'm not going to go up on that roof until we have a conversation. I agree about, about if all they're interested in the cheap price. Okay. Then I'm going to tell them, would you like a name of the contractors that I know that can give you really cheap prices Mm -hmm. because I know who they are. Right. You know, and whether you're going to be happy with them or not, well, we'll have to see as time goes on. But I, I can, I'd be glad to do that. And before I leave, sir, would it be okay if I ask you a question? Because I just, dis- when I said, before I leave, sir, I just disarmed them. You totally did. They're going to, okay. Has there ever, do you drive a Hugo, sir? Has, has there ever been a time you spent more for something than the cheapest price? Right. What, what did that look like? And right. now we're going to find out where they're va- We're going to try to find out what their values are around yeah. this and, and then see if I can construct some sort of a understanding with them that when I bring my price in and it's too much, right. I'm going to have an opportunity to explain where the value is. Right. Then maybe. Absolutely. We'll- and then we- maybe. Perfect. We'll- okay. Got it. And from a non-sales Person, I thought that was very uh, well stated, especially the value. I'm working with a company right now and they're trying to demonstrate their value to be, you know, 15, 20% higher than the competition, even though they're number one in the industry. Sometimes they're struggling with how to articulate the value. So that's spot on. So my question would be, um, Darren, you know, how, we're typically, how much, wait a minute, how much high are they typically? Did you 20. say? So, Darren, my experience has been that we're typically twenty percent more money than the, the other quotes mm-hmm. you're likely to get, and yet we're the we're the number one in the industry. Do you have any idea why people would pay extra for us? Yep. yep. And they're going to say, "I don't know." Right. Okay. Well, okay, I understand you don't know, but if you did know, what you think would might be a reason? Mm-hmm. Because they have reasons. Right. They just don't want to work. Right. You know, I, I, what I love about this conversation right now is when I think back to some of the previous podcasts we did, we talked about, okay, not okay. Right. And, you know, we want to make sure in every one of our conversations with somebody, we're constantly reinforcing that they're okay. 
Yep. They feel good about themselves. That's right. And when you just said, I understand that you don't know, right? That's not unusual, right? You're doing just that. And then you're saying, well, let's pretend for a second you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the other piece of this that I absolutely love is you're getting them to answer the question because that makes it true. Yep. So as a roof consultant, the typical call that I get, okay, now to listening to that, now listen to this. The typical call I get is, hi, I'm Greg Hain with ABC Roofing. We're wondering if you have anything for us to bid. In other words, is there something, Mr. Prospect, that you can do to help me? Right. <laughs> Come on, man. All right. So how would you reframe that? So I'm one of your clients. I'm a roofing company. Dave's, Dave's roofs are us, right? Flat roofs are us, um, right? What would you tell me would be a better way to approach that conversation with you? So if I'm Dave's roofing and I'm calling Greg Hain on the phone, my conversation is going to be, um, Dave, I'm Greg Hain with Dave's Roofing, and we're commercial roofing contractors, and I know that you already have commercial roofing contractors working for you. I'm just curious if you're open-minded to consider somebody else. And then I'm going to shut up. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so what are you going to say? Well, if I'm Dave's roofing company, I'm going to say what you just said. Okay, I, no, but but now, but if you're going to be the if you're going to be the, on the other end of this call, all right. So I'm I'm you know, are you open minded? Are you going to be open minded? Well, there's only one of two answers, right? I'm either satisfied with my stable of roofers, right, and I'm going to say, you know, I'm I'm really set right now. Then before I hang up, um, you just said something that kind of tweaked my curiosity a little bit and be okay if I share that with you. Sure. What is it? So you said you're stable of roofers. And my experience has been that when you find the right roofer, you don't have a stable of roofers. You have one. And that may not be the case for you, but for most of the companies that we work with, we're kind of once we once they see what we can do and how we can do it, they tend to all of a sudden we get a lot of their work, if not all of it. Sure. The problem is, I mean, I have a lot of work and not my my go to guy isn't always available or doesn't have the resources to do you know too many jobs at once. And so I oh, need backup. Tell me more about that. Well, I'm not sure what more there is to say. You know, I have have people I prefer to work with and, uh, you know, but I get a lot more work than they can handle. So I have other people who I trust who I go to and I'm satisfied right now. I'm set. Okay. So you, you say that you're satisfied with them, but you're also telling me if I'm understanding you correctly, that there's times you're not so satisfied because they're not able to be there when you need them. No, I'm, I didn't say I'm not satisfied, but I mean, they have only so many resources to, to put on a job. And sometimes I have more jobs than they do, which is why I have a stable. Darren, you got some input here. Can I ask you a research question, Dave? Sure. It sounds like we're never going to work together. And before I go, if there's one thing that your roofing company, because I have to call in a lot of, a lot of the folks like yourself, is one thing they could do better. I'm kind of curious, what might that be? That was going to be when I was ready to give up. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. 
Honestly, I, I can't think of anything right now. Like I said, I've got a pretty good stable of people that I trust and I've worked with for a long time. But you know, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for your time. Yeah. And, and I guess my point here is some will, some won't. Who cares? So because what next? Yeah. So, but my experience has been that if you're dealing with professional building managers, again, I'm talking the commercial world mm-hmm. and I'm talking, you're, you're calling on people that own shopping centers or office parks or whatever. Yep. They're never happy with their roofers. Sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. sure. I, I, absolutely. And, I, and sometimes they'll still, they still say no. I mean, it, right. they don't always say yes. And actually we were, this scenario we were role-playing was uh, I think we were calling a consultant like you used to be. So, um, but yeah, I mean, clearly in most businesses, in most industries, the standard is mediocrity. Yeah. At best. At best. At yep. best. Right. And so, you know, if you can set your business up to be above mediocre, you're really above everybody else. Now that's never been my personal standard. I mean, mediocrity is a pretty low bar. Um, but that just means that you can really shine if you could just be good, much less great. So uh, let's let, let's move this conversation. Um, we've done some good sales training here over to the leadership side. Sure. You've actually, you had a contracting company as well. Yeah. How many guys did you have or people like, right? People working for you? Not very many. I was a small contractor, typically less than 10. Okay. You probably never had a challenge getting them to see your point of view, though, did you? I would not characterize the challenges that I had to be getting them to see my point of view. It was more along the lines of getting them to show up for work, Mm. (laughs) which, which absolutely is not consistent with my point of view. Okay. But, um, so I, I suppose the answer is yes, I had a lot of challenges with that. Yeah. So how did you attempt to persuade them that showing up when they were supposed to show up was a good idea? So I think that um, if I may kind of answer this in a non-direct way. Sure. I think I think leadership is about um, empowering and um, helping people to become the best versions of themselves that they can. Mm-hmm. And this is this is not simply a matter of just at work. This is in all aspects of their life. And I would say that the challenges that I was having with my employees were not on the level of leadership. They were on the level of management because there's times when you need to manage people and tell them, if you want to have a job tomorrow, you need to be here on time. That's not a leadership thing. That's a management thing. So I think my challenges at that point in my career were much more on management than they were on leadership. That's an interesting perspective. Um, just from my experience, to me, the, that's still a leadership issue, right? Because people aren't inspired to show up 
at the office. So something is missing there, right? Because if they wanted to do it, if they wanted to, if they were excited about going to work, they would be at work, right? We do the things we want to do, right? And well, it may be that I simply had the wrong people hired. That's a possibility. Oh, that's not a possibility. I have plenty of experience to say it was the, <laughs> there's absolutely merit in that. <laughs> okay, Darren? So speaking of that, that's what I was thinking as you were talking. Maybe it's a hiring challenge. So as a result of that, what words of wisdom do you share with your clients now as far as hiring? Because my hunch is you probably have some pretty good insights. So I think that um, in our in our business world today, um, there's two aspects of being successful as a company. One is have people that that have the skills necessary necessary to execute the work that they need to execute and then also to have those same people be able to perform in a manner that's consistent with the cult with a healthy culture with the culture of your company because i don't care how technically talented a human being is i don't care how much work they can produce if when they walk in the room, everybody gets chest pains and they make the room lighter when they leave it, they're not a good fit. Right. And, and I think that many businesses today are starting to come. I mean, this, this idea of cultural fits, not new. That's not my idea, but I see it being played out more and more in the workplace. And I see contractors more and more actually talking about it in those terms. This person does not fit our culture. They're gone. And yeah. that they were the number one sales producer doesn't matter. They just, it, and inevitably after they get rid of this person and go through the, the, the turmoil, okay. To get to the next step, um, they're better off. They are always better off. Uh, that's right in line with my experience, which is anytime you get rid of somebody, you, the term I use is fleet up, right? The, the, the replacement is always stronger because we look and go, okay, I don't want to make that mistake again. We may make a different mistake, but it's typically smaller, right? Or, you know, a less arduous mistake. And we've improved marginally over the previous person. You know, Dave, I, I read something recently and I may not remember this quite right This to how to attribute this, but I think it's Jeff Bezos at Amazon that has a policy that when they hire someone to replace someone for whatever the reason, even persons that promoted the person that they bring in always has to be better than the person they're replacing. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I've never seen that as a policy, but it, I've seen that in practice as a reality. And I think it's just human nature. If you are a learning organization, and I think that's the big caveat and somebody like Jeff Bezos and, and Amazon they're clearly a learning organization. Forget about the fact that my Alexa is listening and learning everything I'm saying right now. Jimmy, I mean, just internally, you know, you don't grow like they did without uh, incorporating the lessons and, of the past and, and learning from your mistakes um, or, or learning from the uh, thousand ways not to do something. So, well, and this, this, this brings up another quote that just popped into my head. And this is uh, Steve Jobs. He said, we do not hire people. Good. We do not hire good people to tell them what to do. We hire good people 
So they tell us what to do. And if you look in the typical business, uh, at least those that I'm familiar with, there's far too much of the person at the top telling everybody what to do and not nearly enough of it going the other direction. Yeah. And you're actually talking about you know, Demings and TQM who started you know, bottom-up management. And this goes back to the 50s and the reconstruction of Japan after World War II. Um, so this is some old, old stuff that's still true today. Yeah. And how do you coach the CEOs that you work with to be able to embrace that concept that Jobs uh, shared in that quote? Oh, that's a fascinating question. So on the one hand, I'm privileged that the, 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 the contractors I work with are almost always really good contractors. They're good businesses. They're solid businesses. They're good people. Um, but the flip side is that most of them are also stuck. And the metaphor that I've started using is that most of these people want a bullet for their holster or they want a new gun. And what they need to do is work on the marksman. Mm -hmm. That's a great quote. And thank you. I kind of made that one up. All right. So, um, I, so I see these businesses, they, they want to bring this in. They want to bring that in. Those, those are the bullets for the holster, or maybe they're even a, a new gun. But if the marksman, in this case, if the owner of the company or the leadership team or whatever, if they're not working on themselves to grow themselves, it's very difficult to get the people below them to grow. And with the contractors I work with, it's real easy to see the differences the, the, where the leadership team is not growing. The company is not growing. It's got nothing to do with revenue, but because they may be growing this year, but they're going to get stuck. And then when they get stuck, they don't know how to break through. And they all, and they look out there. What, what, what do we need to do differently? It's all out there. They don't ask the question, what do I need to be doing differently? That's the question that I don't hear. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think Darren, you've uh, mentioned this before uh, once or twice, haven't you? A few times, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, you're right. There's a there's a concept out there called SRI. Um, don't ask me what it stands for because I can't pronounce the words, but it's the twelve stages of healing, right? And and um, so the second stage is polarity which is the blame game right it's looking for that magic bullet that silver bullet it's it's extraneous so if i only i had this if only i had that right and you know what we want to be able to do is take control of our environment by taking our own responsibility for it it reminds me of a story uh famed uh i believe he recently passed away just just a few months ago but uh chuck yeager general chuck yeager who was first to break the speed of sound and there's a story in fighter aviation where he went up in a A4, uh, a, which is a, a Vietnam era uh, attack aircraft flying against an F-16, right? Which is our, not our front line now, but second. Yeah. Still pretty, pretty. Sierra uh, Hotel was way better a, than the A-4. Right. And he well actually the story goes he went up f-16 against the a4 and and smoked the pilot right because you know and this is a, a captain versus a general 
And then they landed, refueled, switched aircraft, went up in the A-4 and smoked them again, right? So, you know, there's a saying, which it's interesting because you're in construction, but you didn't use it, right? It's a poor craftsman who blames his tools. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, that's a great analogy because, you know, it's not the tool. Yeah. Craftsman. Yeah, I mean, you you look back, you know, well, I mean, go back, um, you know, uh, 2,000 years ago, and we still have some of those buildings standing today, the Colosseum in Rome, you know, the Great Pyramids of Giza. They did not have modern construction equipment. Well, and I, I don't know if it was Abraham Lincoln or somebody like that, but the quote that I'm, comes to my mind is, uh, uh, if I have to chop down a tree I want to in an hour, I want to spend the first 55 minutes sharpening my axe. Yeah, I've not heard the quote, but I love the concept. You know? yeah. and, and sure. And so for us in leadership, you know, we need the tool is us. It's our mouth. It's our words. It's our mind. It's our mindset. How do we approach things? You know, I just did a webinar um, and I talked about uh, holding people accountable. When you go into that accountability session, don't think of it as a discipline. This, you're not disciplining people. You're counseling them. That's right. That completely reframes your mindset when you're talking to somebody who's underperforming. Because now you come from a place of caring and coming from their success as opposed to disciplining, punishing bad behavior. Well, and as I'm an EOS implementer, mm -hmm. EOS stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And <clears throat> one of the concepts in EOS, and this is a very black and white statement, but um, you cannot hold people accountable. It's a fallacy. When you're having an accountability problem, you're either having a problem with leadership or you're having a problem with management. And, and, it, and it may be you've got the wrong person in the wrong seat, or you've got, or you've got the, the person that doesn't fit the culture, but that's on you. You put them there. Right. So, you know, when you're trying to, this idea that I'm going to hold people accountable, yeah, that's kind of flawed at the beginning. Right. And what you're talking about, Dave, is, 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 is a, a better way to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what I was trying to get at is, is that don't, I mean, I, I still believe we're holding people accountable. Okay. Because you, you only hold people accountable that are capable. Right. And we still have a job that whether as a leader or manager, you know, I, I personally, my philosophy is we lead people, we manage processes. Right. And so, so um, to me, it's all leadership. It's not really a management issue. It's a leadership issue. Mm -hmm. Management is setting up the processes that set people up for success, but leadership is getting people to follow those processes. Right. And so it's a leadership issue if people aren't following them um, and you hold people accountable because part of our job is making sure they see the importance of achieving whatever behaviors you've laid out for them or they've agreed to uh, by, by being in that position. Darren, you had a comment? Yeah, real quick. So, I love the quotes. Um, the nuns in high school told me it, it's better remain silent, be thought a fool than open one's mouth and remove all doubt. So I appreciate these are much more insightful, uh, Greg, for these quotes. My thought is, as you were talking, 
Kurt Lewin, you know, the father of group dynamics said behaviors fit times environment. And that's really what you're talking about. Say that again. He said what? Behavior is fit times environment. Is fit. So we tend to behave based on our fit within that environment. And so what you and Dave were both talking about, it's a leadership perspective and it's also a management perspective because the systems and the processes are part of that environment and the culture is part of that environment. So I just wanted to share that. I don't know if that's a, a quote you might be able to use at some point, but yours are much more insightful than the nuns telling me to be quiet. So, <laughs> well, I don't know more insightful, but maybe more helpful. <laughs> Fair enough. It, did, it didn't come with the knuckle wrap from the ruler. So, you know, that was a big plus too. Yeah, I was a little bit younger than that. I'm, um, uh, I mean, that didn't happen in my genre because I would have had a lot of challenges, I'm sure. And especially with me, Dave, that would have been really hard for me to function well, you could if have the was, knuckles were being mangled. Well, you could have just given them your left hand. That's true. That's true. Very good point. They'd, yeah. they'd be happy about that. Swing and a miss, strike one. Um, but uh, <laughs> at any rate... Um, we could probably chat like this all day. Um, yep. Do you have any closing words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners? Well, I would, you know, one of the, one of the observations I would make is this isn't easy. Um, you know, it's, it's easy for us to talk about this, but when you look at the typical businessman and whether you want to call it leading or managing or whatever it is they do all day long, but they're so many of them are drinking out of the fire hose. Mm-hmm. They just have so much yep. coming at them. Yep. And, um, and, and I know as an EOS implementer, when we get in a situation where there's a problem, and so they decide that, okay, this person's got to go. And then they look over at me as if, you know, what, so when? And I say, look, my role is to help you under- get clarity on what this situation is. I am not so naive as to think that you don't have to figure out the timing on this. And, and one of the stories I tell is, you know, I fired a guy once as a roofing contractor in July, but he didn't find out about it until December. Because if I had actually removed him from my employment in July, it would have made my life worse. And it was better for me to deal with the challenges that he presented until it was convenient with, for me to make the change. And so I don't want to, I don't think, I don't, it certainly isn't your intent, but I don't want to convey the idea that all we have to do is just get better at leading and managing and all this goes away. You're always going to have these problems and you have to be clever about it. So the way I like to, I want to go back to the thing I said before, this is about working on the marksman. And when I talk about working on the marksman, the way I like to do it is I like to envision a glass that holds water. And it's about making the vessel, which is you bigger, so that it can hold more water. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, and I realize I'm not specifying how you go about doing that, but when you do that, all of a sudden, the capacity that you have, the flexibility that you have, the options that you have for dealing with all this spontaneously appear and it becomes a lot easier to deal with all of it so work on yourself yeah absolutely i think that's that's great advice and you know once you've got that down then you know as you improve you're going to attract people who are more attracted to that improved you and they're going to be people you you more enjoy working with 
that it almost becomes um, self-correcting to a certain degree. Sure. So I think that's that's phenomenal advice. Um, Darren, do you have any sage words to wrap up with? Just as you were talking about accountability, one thing I like to share with my clients, it, it's called the accountability continuum. And it's not 12 steps, but it's it's a little bit less. But on the very bottom is denial, you know, and then above it is blame. And above it is worry and hope. And we want to be above the line, which is see it, own it, seek solutions and do it. It sounds like that's something you do with your clients that you work with. And I know Dave does that with clients that he works with and I do the same. And it's great if you're a parent, did your child clean the room and the child said, I clean my room and you walk in the room and it's trashed. Well, then that's denial. Well, yeah, it was clean, but my brother messed it up. Okay. Now you're blaming. I'm worried that dad's going to come in my room and I hope he never comes in my room. So worry and hope that's where a lot of, a lot of business owners stay in denial and blame, right? And we want them to see it own it, seek solutions and do it. So it's something you can use in business and certainly in your personal life as well. When you're sharing this with one of your clients, do you ever point out that denial is not a river in Egypt? Of course. Absolutely. (laughs) I need to teach some geography. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well done, Greg. Well, it used to be a hairdo of mine, but you know, I got rid of it. Um, But uh, uh, Greg, thank you so much for, for carving time out and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. We've enjoyed having you here. And, Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah. And for, for our listeners out there, by the way, you know, if you're interested, you know, Greg's referred to EOS a few times. It's a fantastic book by Gino Wickman uh, called Traction, which is the basis for the entrepreneurial operating system. It's one of my highly recommended books to any business owner who uh, is looking to up-level their business. And if you need help with that, obviously, you're happy to reach out to, to Greg. I'm sure he can help you, give you some guidance. Although his specialty, as I understand it, is in the uh, roofing, commercial roofing, which yep. is different. It's it different. is. Greg knows I have a I have a roofing contractor clients as well uh, who do both. And it, that really is a completely different world in the commercial side. So, yeah. um, so, but I'm sure you can give, provide guidance for people who are looking for EOS specialists, if, you know, direction to go. Be glad to. So, all right. And we'll have your contact information in the show notes um, if, uh, as well. So, great. Greg, thank you for being such a great guest. Dave, Darren, thanks for inviting me. Thanks, Greg. Take care, Dave. Take care, Darren. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you fail to disarm them.